if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter uh, 31. While you're turning there, if you didn't notice, um, there's uh, something different about me today. I'm sitting, exactly. I'm sitting on a stool. Uh, And the reason I'm sitting on a stool is because I'm a little broken. Uh, I'm a little broken. I I had a great time at children's camp, but uh, one of my favorite moments was when I was playing basketball and man, I was taking it to the hoop and I was bringing it home and I was driving the lane against those nine-year-old girls and and then they took me out and uh, they uh, twisted my ankle and jumped on it a couple of times and said, no more, you're not hit, we're not giving you the lane anymore. But uh, I did, I twisted my ankle and uh, so uh, the swelling mostly has gone down, but it's a lot of pretty colors, uh, and it's still very tender. Uh, but uh, uh, so I'm a little broken today. Uh, but more than that, um, I'm a little broken. You see, I, to be honest, and you probably don't hear a pastor talk about this very much, but uh, to be honest, uh, I'm a mess. I really am. And, and, and I think if you were honest, you'd say you were too. See, we're like this mug. Now, this is a mug. On the front, it says, often cranky. It's a coffee mug. Um, and, and it still works. I mean, it still will hold coffee. But it's awful hard to drink out of that coffee mug because it's broken on the top. Many of us are like this. As followers of Jesus, I mean, we, we hold water, but we're kind of broken. It's that brokenness in us that for some of us has paralyzed us in our walk with Christ. It's, it's damaged our relationships with others. It's created carnage and chaos even in the church. We're broken. And I, I don't say with shame that I'm broken. I share it, share it honestly. I, I think that it's important for us to be honest about our brokenness. Not try to hide it. I think one of the biggest dangers in the church is that we come here and we think that this is the place we are to pretend. We pretend like we've got it all together and that we've already arrived and we're all that and peanut butter too. And the truth is we're just lying. Deceiving ourselves or deceiving others or trying to deceive God and we're really fooling nobody. We are just a mess. So when I say to you, I'm a little broken, I'm talking more than just about my ankle. I'm talking about me. There are broken places in my life, broken places in me emotionally, broken places in me mentally, and broken places in me spiritually. Now, make no mistake, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and, and he has made me right in the sight of God. When, when I, by faith, trusted Jesus as Savior and King, he brought me into the family of God. I am part of God's family, and, and, and in theological terms, I have been justified. I live in the blessing and the grace of God's justifica- justification. My sin has been covered by Christ's righteousness so that I am right with God. I am fit for God's family. And if you are a follower of Christ, you have been justified as well. And you are fit for God's family. You are a new creation in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But the the problem in me and the problem in you, even as a new creation in Christ, 
is that there's still this war inside of us. There are still broken pieces. The Apostle Paul talked about it in the battle between an old nature and a new nature, a sin nature, a flesh nature, and the spirit nature. And, and it's this battle that rages within every follower of Jesus that gives voice to our brokenness. The, the good news is that God, who began a good work in me, is not finished. And that even though there are broken places in me, God is at work by his spirit making me whole. And from here to heaven, that work will continue. In theological terms, that's called sanctification. Where day by day I'm being made more and more like Jesus Christ and that which is broken in me is made whole. Well, the next several weeks we're going to, we're going to get real honest with each other and and, and we're going to have a more inward look as followers of Jesus. We're going to look here. Let the Spirit of God pierce our hearts and show us today, show us those broken places in us. We are like this coffee mug. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 31, look down in verse 12. Psalm 31, verse 12, he said, I, I'm, like a, I'm like a dead man out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel. That's us. So today I pray that we follow in the footsteps of the Spirit of God as he leads us through Psalm 31 so that we might find hope. So we might find hope in the midst of our brokenness. So we might find hope in our brokenness through God's rescuing love, that we would find hope to be made whole. And that is the message of this passage. The message of Psalm 31 is that God leads us out of brokenness into wholeness. As you look at your life today, and look, I know that some of us are not conditioned to identify broken places in us. In fact, we're conditioned just the opposite. Some of us have been raised to admit no weakness. I was watching a John Wayne movie uh, yesterday, and uh, it was uh, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, one of the John Ford trilogies. Uh, I love John Wayne. Anyway, uh, John Wayne. It's enough said right there. John Wayne. Uh, But John Wayne said something that made me think of this message. John Wayne said something to uh, uh, Lieutenant Pinnell. He said, Don't ever apologize. It's a sign of weakness. And I thought, how stupid. Because it is. It's an unbiblical concept. The idea that there is in us no room to acknowledge weakness or failure. It's how we've been conditioned, and some of us have been conditioned that way. We're sitting here, and we're kind of bristling at the idea. What do you mean I've got broken places in me? But if we're honest, if we're tender to the touch of the great physician Jesus Christ today, not only will he show us those broken places, he will make us whole. And that is the goal. So as we look at this journey that the psalmist took, and as we uh, walk through Psalm 31, I want us to just see some key points 
that will help us. You see, uh, he begins, Psalm 31 begins, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be the rock of my refuge, the fortress of defense to deliver me, for you are my rock and my fortress. So he begins this psalm with this wonderful declaration, but, but before long, down to verse 9, we see that he's saying it because he's living in a place of weakness, a place of brokenness. Look at verse 9. He says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief. My soul and my body waste away with grief. My life is spent with grief. My years with sighing, my strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. What's he talking about there? Well, I think that one of the lessons we need to learn today is if we're going to find a way out of our brokenness, we need to acknowledge the broken places in our life. You've got to start by acknowledging what's broken. I had a car one time. I've had several. But I had a car one time, and it was a, a, a Nissan Sentra. And uh, uh, it, it, Edie and I had just gotten married, uh, and that was one of the cars uh, that we brought into the marriage. It was, it was, it was a nice car uh, until the hailstorm came. And, and in Texas, when a hailstorm, it, it, they do everything big in Texas, that's true. It was Fort Worth, Texas. It was in a corridor where hailstorms happened, and the hailstorm came, and it just looked like somebody took a ball-peen hammer and just went to town on my Nissan Center. It was dented everywhere. Every part of that car had a dent in it. And so, good news, insurance company totaled the car out. Even better news, I could still drive it. Didn't affect it one bit. Except for the looks. Now, Edie would never ride in it, but I drove it. Um, but there's something happens when you have a car that's been totaled out and, and uh, you get some cash money for it and you put that money in the bank because you're poor and, and uh, you have this, uh, this car that you drive around and it looks like it's been beat up with a, uh, a sledgehammer. And there's just something about that car where you just kind of lose interest in keeping it up. And uh, I was never good at that anyway, but I, I, I lost it doubly. Well, anyway, uh, I drove that car, and I drove it, 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 and I drove it. And it started overheating. And I said, no big deal. <laughs> so I checked the, thir- uh, the, the, the whatever that stuff is that you put in there, the antifreeze. And uh, I made sure it had antifreeze, and, and so I filled up the antifreeze, and I closed it off, and I started driving again and started overheating. And I said, well, that can't be right. There's something wrong with the gauge because I just put antifreeze in there. And so I kept on driving it until it stopped. It just it stopped. You know, you know what happens when a car overheats too much. If you keep driving it, it'll just go, and it did. It went, because I was ignoring the sign. I, I was talking myself out of there being a problem. I was pretending like that overheating was not a real deal. Many of us are in this room. That's exactly what we've been doing in our spiritual lives. We've been pretending like what's broken in us really isn't broken. Hey, you ask people around you, they can identify those places because of the way you relate to them. 
Some of you have related to people with um, aggression or passive aggression. Do you know that's a sign of brokenness, a spiritual brokenness or an emotional brokenness in you? Anytime you're trying to control people by manipulating them emotionally, that's a sign of your brokenness, not their brokenness, your brokenness. There's brokenness that, 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 that you demonstrate in your relationships. There's, there's brokenness that you demonstrate in, in, in your bitterness. You know, some people are just living a bitter life and everything's bad and, and you're overwhelmed emotionally and you're, you're just bitter. And, and in the midst of your bitterness, you, you think, well, that's, that's somebody else's problem. Somebody else has done this. But, but do you realize your bitterness is a sign of brokenness? Some of us are broken because of our sin. That's what, uh, that's what the psalmist was talking about. He's saying, saying look, I, one of the things he was talking about, he said, look, I'm, my iniquity is causing my strength to fail. Hey, can I just confess that that's where I began, and I've said this before, but if I'm emotionally distraught, depressed, in the gloom and doom kind of mentality, I want to look first at my sin. Because for me... Personally, that, that's, that's where the brokenness begins. But not all the time. He, here in verses 13 and 14, or 12 and 13, the psalmist talks about how people are attacking him. He's talking about how people are after him. He has adversaries uh, who are saying ugly stuff about him. You know, sometimes our brokenness comes because people take a hammer to our soul and beat us up. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we're broken because of what others have done to us. Now look, if we're going to find wholeness today, we need to acknowledge before a holy God, these are broken places in our life. We need to name the place of our pain. I, I just, just look at how the psalmist described it. He, he, said, he said, God, I'm in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief. My soul and my body are wasting away with grief. He's depressed. There's an emotional brokenness inside of him. His life is spent with grief. That means uh, the, the fuel for his soul is sorrow. And he can't hardly take it anymore. And his strength is failing because of his iniquity. He's sinful. I'm a reproach among my enemies, among my neighbors, and, and repulsive to my acquaintances. There, there are those who, who see me, uh, those who see me outside flee, and, and, and I'm forgotten like a dead man, like a broken vessel. He's saying, verse 13, people are slandering me. I, he, he had the whole load of hay, and it was piled on top of him, and he was broken. And so he brings his brokenness to the Lord. Can I, can I suggest something to you today? And you don't have to take my advice. But may I suggest today, if you want to be made whole, you better acknowledge your brokenness before a holy God. Go ahead and name it. Don't pretend like you don't have it. Let's be honest. I'm a little broken. Aren't you? And Jesus wants to make us whole. So we acknowledge our brokenness before God. 
And then we need to race to the place of faith. We need to place our trust in the God who raises the dead. And that's where the psalmist begins, and I think probably that's a good place for us uh, to, to continue. Now, we don't major on the brokenness. We major on the God who raises the dead. This is part of our problem, I think. You know, part of our problem is that uh, the, the, the song of our life is the blues, Always rehearsing the bitterness and the pain and the grief and the sorrow, the doom and the gloom and the despair, the deep, dark agony that, over, uh, that plagues us and overwhelms our soul. We, we major on the blues, but the song that the psalmist sang here, it talks about the blues, but it majors on the God who raises the dead. He races to the place of faith. He begins the journey in, in that place of faith. Look, look at how he begins. He says, in you, Lord, I put my trust. Let me not be ashamed forever. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down. This is verse 1 and 2. Sorry, I didn't tell you where I was. Bow down your, your ear uh, to me. Deliver me quickly. Be my rock of refuge, my fortress of defense who delivers me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me, guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For, I, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. All right, let me tell you what he's doing here. You begin with verse 5. The language of the text Redeemed, you have redeemed me, okay? The verb there is a perfect tense verb. What that means is it happened sometime in the past, but it has continuing consequences. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, God, you've already redeemed me, so I'm going to live in that rescuing love. Do you realize, if you indeed you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that God in his grace sent Jesus to die for your sin upon a cross, to be raised from the dead to give you the first fruits of victory in your life. If today, if today you're a follower of Jesus, he has already redeemed you. So stop living in defeat and start moving toward victory. Here is our hope. It's not in what we do. There is no hint in verses 1 through 5 of anything that the psalmist does. It's all God. And by the way, the reason God takes a broken vessel and makes it whole is not because of the value of the vessel in and of itself. It's not because it's a blue vessel or a black vessel or a purple vessel. The reason God takes a broken vessel and makes it whole is because the vessel belongs to him. He's taken ownership for it. He says, here, I'm going to make my cup. I'm going to make it whole. This cup belongs to me. I'm going to fix what's broken. Based upon his righteousness, verse 1. Based upon his character of love, in verse 3. Not based upon what you do or what I do. Not because you're sitting in this room. Not because you're extra religious. Not because you, you're, 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 you're of a particular uh, socioeconomic status or, or ethnicity. No, no, listen, make no mistake. God fixes what's broken in us simply because that's who God is. He loves you. 
My daughters come to me and they say, Daddy, I broke my finger. I don't laugh and say, well, <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. They come to me and they say, Daddy, I have a broken heart. I don't laugh and say, well, just get over it. No, my daughter comes to me with a broken finger. Oh, honey, let's fix it. Let's, let's go to the ER. Let's, let's get it, let's get it uh, looked at. Let's take care of that broken finger. My daughter comes to me with a broken heart. I'm going to get down on my knees. I'm going to cry with her. And I'm going to say, honey, let's walk this journey together until that broken heart is made whole. And I'm not even a great, great dad. I'm just an earthly dad that does his best. But God is truly a good, good father, the perfect father. And when we come to him with our brokenness, you say, God, look at the broken pieces of my life. God says, oh, Eric, I see your brokenness. Come here and let me make it whole. We've got to put our trust in God to get to that place. We've, we've got to race to the place of faith. Just as Jesus said, does, does, first five, does verse 5 look familiar? Into your hand I commit my spirit. Who said it? On the cross. Jesus said it on the cross. He was quoting this verse. As he was dying on a cross. And the, the, the significance of that moment must not be lost on us. Jesus was hanging on a cross and dying for you and me. For our sin. And as he hung and died and as the weight of our sin was placed upon him. And the judgment that our sin demanded from a holy God was being, uh, was being exerted on Jesus. Jesus said to God, God I'm about to die. And I'm about to die with this sin on my back. But I surrender who I am. I surrender all my future to you. Into your hands I commend my spirit. To put your trust in God means that you give him everything that you are. Jesus knew that God was going to bring about a resurrection from the dead. Jesus knew that God was going to work in love in his life and bring about a resurrection from the dead place. And, and today, uh, it, it, as followers of Jesus, we need to have that resurrection mindset. We need to have that living hope perspective that even though our brokenness seems bad, it is not nearly as big as the powerful love of, a, of the living God who raises the dead. We've got problems. Look, I'm a mess, and I'm more than a little broken at times. But my brokenness is no match for God's power. The resurrection power of the living God gives me hope that I can be made whole. So let's stop majoring on the blues and start singing the song of faith and trust in the God who raises the dead. We need to race to the place of faith. As we acknowledge our brokenness before God and as we race to the place of faith and trust in God, then we need to rest in his powerful rescuing love. We've got to rest in his love. See, my ankle is, uh, it, it, I mean, I don't know how bad it is. I'm not going to go to the doctor because I'm me. But, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's hurt. And, and I thought it was really, really bad. 
there for a little bit when it swelled up as big as a, you know, whatever it was. Uh, but it swelled up pretty good, and it had a lot of pretty colors and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and so it, it, it's bad. You know one of the things they tell you to do when you have, um, when, when you have a sprain like that? All right, okay, you, you, the, the acronym R-I-C-E, rest, ice, compress, and elevate. I pretty much didn't do any of that. No, I did. I rested it. I elevated it. I iced it a little bit. I hated ice. That's why I quit playing sports in college. I just, I mean, high school. I just, I, not because I couldn't make the team. It was because I didn't like the ice. Um, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Need to stick your ankle in a bucket of water, a bucket of ice. No, I'm not doing that. Anyway, so I'm really majoring on the rest part. You know, for, for the ankle to heal, it needs time to heal. There are times in our life and as followers of Jesus where we're broken and God brings an immediate healing. I love it when he does that, don't you? I mean, when he brings perfect restoration in a second, man, I rejoice in that. But more often than not, it's a process and a journey that God wants us to go through where we daily are resting in his powerful love so that daily we're being made more like Jesus. I want you to hear what the psalmist writes beginning in verse 14. Now, the blues happen in verses 9 through 13, right? But now in verse, uh, in verse 14, he, he returns again. Verses 1 through 5, trust in God. Verses uh, 6 through 8, trust in God. Verses 9 through 13 is uh, the, uh, the broken places. Then beginning in verse 14, back to trust in God. As for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies, from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your love's sake. Verse 19, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. Now, I want you to see the picture here. The psalmist says, okay, God, I'm running to you. And then I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to let you take hold of my heart. I'm going to let you dictate my, my life. Circumstances, be what they may. Be what they may. Emotions, be what they may. Regardless of what's gone before me, here's what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm going to trust in you. And I'm going to rest in the power of your love. To make me whole. And the verse, verse 15, that says, my times are in your hand. It's, it's, a interesting, it's an interesting phrase and interpreted differently, but here's what I think my times are in your hand mean. My times are in your hand is a picture of when eternity invades our present moment. When God in his great power 
invades the here and now with his presence and his love. My times are in your hand and speaking uh, to those special moments where I have said, God, into your hand, I give you my life, even the broken pieces. And God responds and says, boom, here I am. Now let me shine a little love your way. And in those moments, we need to rest. In the rejuvenating power of God's rescuing love, we need to rest and let God's love take hold of those broken places in our life, those dark places in our soul. In the dark night of our own despair, let God speak and sing his song of love over us. Because in that moment, verse 19, we will begin to taste the goodness of God. I love verse 19 because the psalmist says, the the Lord is great in his goodness toward us. When we fear him, when we trust him, when we give him our life, we will taste this goodness of God that flows from the fault of his rescuing love. We will taste God as good. And it's not in some sweet by and by when we all get to heaven, but it's here and now in the presence of the sons of men. We can taste the goodness of God in the face of our broken pieces as he makes us whole. So bless the Lord, the psalmist said. Verse 23, blessed be the Lord. For he has shown me this marvelous kindness in a strong city. I said in my haste, and maybe you've said it too, I'm cut off from the Lord. Nevertheless, you heard the cry of my supplications when I spoke your way. Verse 23, oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. Here it is. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud. So be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, everyone who hopes in the Lord. Today's the day for us to begin the journey out of brokenness. Guys, let's be honest. I'm a mess. Aren't you? I'm a little broken. Aren't you? But God in his grace today wants to begin the journey in my life of making me whole. I've taken the broken pieces and fixing it. So this morning I invite you to be honest, to come clean. To not hide, not play a game of church and act like everything's okay. These next few moments, I invite you to acknowledge your broken places to the Lord, to trust God, race to the place of faith, and to rest in his powerful love. I invite you to walk the journey not of brokenness, but walk the journey out of brokenness. Would you bow your heads all around the room? In these next few moments, we're going to have this season to give the Spirit of God room 
to speak to your heart. As the Spirit speaks to your heart, He's going to identify those broken places in your life. Will you acknowledge them? In these next few moments, just acknowledge them. Maybe you need to come to this altar. If you're like me, there's sin that needs to be dealt with. This altar is a great place to come. And maybe you've been focusing so much on on the broken pieces that you've forgotten to race to the place of faith. Maybe you need to come to this altar and confess with the psalmist, in you, O Lord, I place my trust. You are faithful and true and trustworthy. Maybe in these next few moments, God's going to tell you, stop being so busy trying to fix yourself with all the activities or pretension or affectation that you can muster. Rather, acknowledge the broken pieces, race to the place of faith, and then rest. Be of good courage. Rest in the healing work of a holy God. In these next few moments, I invite you to join me and just be honest with God. There are going to be ministers here at the front. This altar is a place for you to come and cry out to the Lord. Let God begin to heal you today. Now, Spirit of God, have your way with us and draw to yourself those whom you are calling. Fix what's broken in our lives today. And help us be honest. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.